I wonder if anybody, if you've been here for the three weeks so far, if anybody's getting that song in your head when you go to the store. Like you're like, la, 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 what is going on with Randy? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Hey, uh, welcome here. I know you've been said hello to already a couple times, but I haven't done it. So hello. How are you? It's good to see you. That was a great answer. Awesome. Uh, hey, listen, I'm so glad you're here, whether you've been here for a long time or visiting. Really hope and pray that God's met you so far, and, and I'm just praying that continues this morning. Uh, wherever you may be on your journey with him, uh, with the rest of the time we got, I just pray for that. Uh, so glad you're here. Say, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and get to it. Grab them. Open them up to the book of Ephesians. That's where we're going to be this morning, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, that's in the New Testament. I know some of you are. The best, best way to find it is in the table. Table of contents. We are table of contents friendly here, but uh, if you're a little fearful of that, it's after Galatians. It is before Philippians, so you should be able to find those pretty easily as you go. And as you're opening up there, we are in week three of a series that we are calling Church Shopping, where we are looking at how God made the church to be, and then we're just looking at what the markers of a healthy church should be. That's what we're looking at up. This idea of church is not a man-made idea. It's actually God's idea. I don't know if you knew that or not. It was set up by Jesus in the book of Matthew. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was serious about church right there. Um, but that's what he meant. And I think what he was getting at is that this idea of church, it's going to be here forever. It's not going away because God made this, not man. But church isn't a building either, so it's, it's people, that's what church is. So even though it's made by God, that also means it's imperfect because we're in it. We're in the church that he made. So here, here's the, the definition of church. We've been talking about over the last couple of weeks about how God set it up and what we should be looking at. But here's what church is. This is what the definition of church. I don't have it uh, up there for you, but here's what it is. The church is a group of broken, imperfect people whose lives have been disrupted by sin, which dis, dis, separates them from God. But then we come to realize that through Jesus, we've been made right by Jesus. And so then we gather to draw close to God, to draw near to God. And we do that together because we need each other. And it's not perfect. In fact, a lot of times it's messy because we're a whole bunch of a lot of different around here, right? But it's, it's just it's that there's one thing that unites us all, and it's this. It's Christ. That's the church. That's what church is, really. It's just a group of messy and perfect people going after a perfect God together. And it's a little messy uh, because we're not perfect, uh, but we draw near to God. That's what church is. And so the goal of this series, it is to first be reminded again of, of what church is and what church should be all about. And then looking and understanding the marks of a healthy church based on how God set it up. Because here's the deal. You can have a church of 50 people and a church of 5,000 people, and both could be fulfilling God's design and purpose because it's not the size that matters. Okay, you can have a church that is like all electronic synth pop worship style music and you can have one that is just full on organ and both could be going after God's design and purpose because it's not about the style of music. You tracking? That's what we're talking about. We need to go deeper than just our personal preferences as the gauge we use to determine whether a church is healthy or not. I always say this a lot, but the why is a lot more important times than what. But what is just important? So we need to go through the how and the why, not just the what. And that's what we're doing. That's the goal this morning. Oh, we started out this uh, mission by, or started out this by talking to mission. That, that there's a mission that the church should have. That any church that is a Jesus church, God sends us out with a mission to reach people with the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. So anybody that's serious about Jesus, they need to have a mission that challenges me. A church needs to have a mission that challenges me to reach people with the gospel. 
And last week we talked about worship. That, that we come together and we sing to God together, not just so that I get something out of it, but it's that we get to give God something in it. We do it to draw near to God, and we also do it because of who God is and, and what he's done in our lives. And then, then it changes us when we come to worship like that together. God, and, and we learn that God is the only thing, he's the only thing that's worthy of our praise and worship. One guy ran into me last week when we got done with the services talking about worship, and he ran into me, he goes, hey, Andy, I, he's, my wife couldn't make it this morning because the baby was sick, and she was so bummed out uh, that she had to miss worship. And so I, I promise you, Andy, this was, I didn't even know what the, the sermon was about or anything, but I went in there, and I FaceTimed worship with her, and, and so she wouldn't miss worship. But I'm like, that's it, that's the essence of worship, right? She doesn't want to miss that. I thought that was so cool. Now, you might have been standing next to him and didn't think that, you might have thought that was weird, like where he's going like this. But I mean, I'm just saying, I thought that was cool. I thought that was, that was really, really neat that he did that. So, all right, let's get to it. Let's talk about the next big thing that a church should be all about, and it's discipleship. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. There should be in every Jesus-loving church a path, an avenue of discipleship. And it should be growing me. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So today we're going to be looking at a couple things. We're going to be looking at what discipleship is, why it should be important to the, to the local church, and then how you get involved in the, in the discipleship process here at River Ridge Church. So those are the things that we're going to be getting into. So let's get started. We're going to go in Ephesians 4. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to be picking up in verse 11, uh, but we're going to be picking up in the middle of, of something that Paul is talking about. And so I'm going to get us into the context of this uh, for a little bit before we start reading in verse 11. So Paul starts this out by by saying um, that he urges the, the church to be living out a calling in their life, that God has a calling in the lives of believers and that we need to be living that out. And he lays out what that calling is. He lays out that we need to be living in this call of humility and patience and having peace with others and then letting grace and truth just become an in and out of our lives at all times. That's the call that Paul says that believers should have. That, by the way, is what makes us more like Jesus. That's what makes us more like Jesus. Um, so before we get into that, let's, let's look at the goal of discipleship first. Uh, before, we're not going to define it yet. We're going to look at the goal of it uh, before we get going. And here's the goal, and it's really simple. And, and if anybody in here is someone who says, I'm a, I'm a Christian, you need to pay attention because this is really the only thing that matters in your life. And here it is. The goal of discipleship is this. It's really easy. It's just to become more like Jesus. That's it. And this is what Paul is talking about. This is the goal that we should all have, that we should all be. That's discipleship's only target. So if you're serious about Jesus or if you're, if you're really wanting to be who Jesus tells you to be, there has to be discipleship in your life. So we're going to be talking about that. So Paul sets up the church by saying, hey, there are these calls, there are these things. These are the things that you should see, and, and we should all be going after that. And, I mean, if you think about it, He's saying living in peace and living in humility and having this, this peace with others should be important. But I just want you to think about this for a second. Just think about it because he's saying this is the way you should be living your life. If you learn to live at peace with everybody, I mean like real peace with everybody, wouldn't your life be a little bit more manageable if you could really honestly do that? I mean, think about this. If you were able to see real truth, real truth in everything, and you could see through the facade how much turmoil would you avoid if you could actually live that way? Paul is saying, you can attain this. You can do this. This is what he's urging all of us to do. And I'm sure the church back then asked the same thing. That we're asked, well, how do we do that? How do we attain living the life that's more manageable, that's more Jesus-filled, that's, that's getting closer and closer to Jesus? And so he goes on to say here in Ephesians 4 that, that when, God is, or when Jesus ascended, that he actually gave down these gifts to people. 
He gave certain gifts to these people to actually be dispersed among all of us to be used by God to help all of us live out this life that we're called to live. You tracking? So this is where we're going to be picking up here in the story. Paul says, we have a call. There, there are some things that people have that are going to help us in the call. So we're going to pick this up in verse 11. Here's what he says. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So here's what I think we need to catch in this first couple of verses here. What Paul is getting at, this is what I think he's getting at, is he's saying there are people who have spiritual gifts to administer the word of God. There are people who just have these gifts. What that doesn't mean is that those are the only people that can do it and that those are the only gifts that are out there. He's just focusing in on this specific thing right here. He's saying there are people whose primary purpose is to administer the word of God and help people be centered around the word of God. And and here's what we need to catch. This is what we need to catch. It's so that, he says, it's so that, that, that the saints are equipped for the work of the ministry. Did you catch that? So that the saints are equipped for the work of the ministry. So here's my question. Who's the saint? Who's a saint? That's maybe what some of you are. Who are, who are the saints? Don't you think of some sort of super Christian when you think of saint, right? You're thinking like this super Christian who's a saint. Maybe you don't think of a super Christian. Maybe you think of a super old lady who's been like baking pies for 68 years for the homeless, and now she's dear old Saint Agatha, right? Like that's what we think when we think of saint. But here's the deal, gang. Saints are not some super spiritual level of Christian. Saints are anybody who claims Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Did you know that? Anyone who would say that you have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. That's you. I think so often we don't understand and we don't live the life that we're called. We don't see ourselves as what the Bible says we are. You are a saint if you claim Christ as your Lord and Savior. And here's what you got to understand. This is saying something about you that you need to get then. In fact, this is key to the entire message of discipleship. What this is saying is that according to God's design here, there in the body of Christ, that's all of us Christians, is built up through not the pastors, not even the evangelists, but all of us, each other, doing it with and for each other. That we do the work of ministry. All of us do it by doing the work. That's what this is saying. So here's the deal. This is what you need to catch. Everybody has a role in discipleship. Every believer in Christ has a role in, 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 in discipleship. All Christians have gifts, every one of them that should be used to minister to one another, not just reserved for those folks in verse 11. It's all of us. It's everybody. So let's keep going uh, to, to see what else he says. So he says that we're supposed to build each other up. Well, how, what are we building each other up in? So here's what he says in verse 13. He says, we build each other up until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. All right, now that's a lot of stuff to chew on. That's a lot of stuff to look at. So let's just go back here. Let's dissect this a little bit because I think there are three phrases in here that actually are going to help us understand what we're supposed to do with each other and for each other. Remember, this is all about us doing this with all of us. So there are three phrases here that involve how we are building each other up. And here's the first one that it says. The first one says that we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So the first thing that we need to understand and what we need to do is we need to be involved with people and we need to understand God's word so that we know Jesus more. Not just information, but that we get a deeper relationship, a deeper sense of who Jesus is. So that's the first phrase that, we, that we're supposed to be doing to build each other up. Second, 
is that we are attaining mature manhood. He's talking to the church here, so what he's saying is the church as a whole, but he's saying all of us, not just men, everybody, that we attain this maturity. This one isn't so hard to understand because I think we know what maturity is. In fact, if you're involved in anything, think about it. You're you're called to mature in anything you do at work or whether it's a hobby, you want to get better, you want to keep maturing. Same goes for your calling God. What he's saying is you got to leave behind the childish ways and keep growing in this understanding. That's how we mature. That's what we do. So that one's not so hard to get. But then here's the third one. The third one says that we attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Say that three times fast. I mean, that is super spiritual, but I'm just going to go and say, that ain't an answer I'm giving when somebody goes, hey, say, what is your goal as a Jesus follower? I'm like, oh, it's really simple. It's to attain to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, it's simple. Like, I'm not saying that. Like, it's like, you know, this is easy. That's not what it is. What does that mean? What does it mean? Because, gang, this is really important. This one right here is really important. And I'm going to tell you what it means. Just to make it, this is as simple as I can put it. This is what it's actually saying in this phrase. It's saying to become more like Jesus. That's what it's saying. It's to be, because that's what it means. That's the, the measure and the stature is Jesus. And here's why the measure and the stature is Jesus, because he is the fullest of God. He is fully God. And so that is our measure. That's where we go. We want to become more like Jesus. So we build each other up by getting together and being unified and centered around God's word. We mature together. We grow. We, we do that. And we become more like Jesus. That's our call. That's what we do. And we do it, verse 14 says, so that we don't get tossed around like a boat in a big ocean of our life. That's what he's saying. I don't know if any of you have ever gone deep sea fishing, uh, but when I used to travel to the beach with my family when I was little, uh, we would do that. Us men would go out deep sea fishing, you know, we would go get the catch and bring it back. Uh, but one day we were going out there, I remember this particular year, it was supposed to storm really bad. And I mean, it was like right on the edge of whether we go or not. And the captain was like, ah, it's just a little windy. And so he said, go ahead and get on there. So we all got on there. It's like a 30 foot boat. And so we get ready. And, and I don't know, maybe some of you understand this, but for some reason, the best way that you deep sea fish is you go out on a straight line at 100 miles an hour like full bore and then you just come to a dead stop and then you get on the back and then you start slowly going the opposite direction that you're facing and so we're just already like kind of losing our stuff right and it's like man, then the wind kicks in and these wakes are coming and we are getting rocked I mean back and forth and back and the first mate is just sitting there cracking up at us as he's rigging our lines he was laughing at joke was on him though because guess who gets to clean up our breakfast right you know I mean joke was on him uh but uh you know but here's the here's Here's what this is saying. This is saying like your maturity is like a boat. That, that the ways of life are going to be coming in and, and they're not going to stop. They're going to be coming, crashing in. But as we mature, this is why you got to catch this if you're a Jesus follower. See, as we grow, as we mature, you see, we're going to rock less and less as we get more and more mature in Christ. That's what this is saying. Let's finish this out here because he, he finishes out a couple more verses. He says, rather, so we do this and we, we don't get rocked that, but he says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is ahead, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with it, is equipped. And when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Gang, those two verses right there, that's discipleship. 
If you want to understand what discipleship is, it's right there. We hold each other together in this process of maturity. We already got the goal of discipleship, which is to become more like Jesus. So now with that, with the scripture that we got, if you're taking notes, we're going to define it. We're going to take a shot at defining discipleship based on what Ephesians 4 just said. Here it is. This is what discipleship is. Discipleship is the process that people take to become more like Christ. It's the process that people take to be more like Jesus. Now, I want to just take the rest of the time this morning, and I want to just break that down a little bit and then kind of go through how you see it happen here at River Ridge Church. And so I want to t- talk about this. Thing. Let's look at a few keys as we looked at that phrase, that it's the process that people take. So the first thing that we need to realize is discipleship doesn't happen overnight. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is discipleship is a process. It's a process. We're all in a process somewhere. There is a process that gets you from where you start to being fully mature. It's a journey that you go on. And the journey, if you want to, it goes something like this when it comes to uh, being a believer in Jesus and, and understanding things around here. It's that first you come to know Christ, right? Then you come to love Christ and love his family, love your brothers and sisters here. And then you come to grow in Christ and then you serve Christ. That's kind of the process that you, that you see as, as we can get as simple as we can. Those are the things. And we kind of get this as, in a process because Jesus did the same thing. He had a process. That's why we have a process. We get there by looking at Jesus. Jesus had a process where he took his people from no faith to, to deep disciple. One of, the, one of the things that you see as you go uh, with Jesus encountering people, one of the first encounters Jesus ever had with his disciples was there a couple guys with, with, their, uh, with their leader, John the Baptist, and they saw Jesus, and John said, hey, there's the Messiah. And so these guys said, well, let's go follow him. Let's go see what's going on. And say, where are you going, Jesus? And the first thing that Jesus said was, come and see. Do you know that? that was the first thing he said in John 1, 3, and he said, come and see. That's the entry point of faith. That's the, 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 so let me ask you, what's the commitment level of come and see? Not that much, right? There's not, just show up, just sit in the back. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to sing anything. You don't have to sacrifice anything. Just show up. So that's how we start this process here with you as a church. We just say, show up. You hear us say a lot of times, everybody's welcome. We believe that. Every single person is welcome to hear about Jesus. No matter where you come from, who you are, what you did last night, everybody's welcome to come and see, and there's no other commitment necessary. We're not asking you to commit to anything else, no expectations. Just come and see this Jesus that we're in love with. Listen in on who he is. Everybody's welcome for that. So first, discipleship's a process. And then the second part of this, as we look at it, is it takes steps. It requires taking steps. So go back to Jesus again. Jesus started out with come and see, but here's what you never saw Jesus do. He never left him there. Never left one disciple at come and see. And we don't either. See, Jesus goes from come and see, and then he took them through these consistent steps. So if you go through the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, here's what you're going to encounter. You're going to see Jesus giving these guys consistent steps, and he keeps turning up the dial of following him. So he goes from come and see to, hey, you know you're my disciple if... That's what happened. He turned. He goes, hey, you know that you're my disciple if you love one another. Hey, you're my disciple if you do everything that I command you. Hey, you're my disciple if you take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. He redefines commitment every time. He just keeps them taking these steps. But here's what we got to catch. Oh, and when he said, uh, take up your cross, by the way, that's a really important one. We don't get that today because we don't see it the same, but they knew exactly what he was talking about when he said, take up your cross. See, they knew that what he was talking about was, was death. He was talking about crucifixion. He was talking about that was a method of, of actually uh, taking someone's life from them. So Jesus was referring to that. He was, so he went from come and see to come and die. Now, my, here's my point. 
There is a huge difference, gang, between come and see and come and die, isn't there? He doesn't say come and die right away to any of the first followers. It's a process that he takes them on. He's moving them from where they are to where God wants them to be. And here's what you got to catch. It was up to them to take steps. They were the ones that had to take these steps as Jesus was turning up the dial. So what you got to catch is this process won't just happen. You have to take steps. You need to take steps. That's why we always say that we exist to help you take next steps in your journey with God. Gang, I can't take those steps for you. I can't take them for you, but we just keep offering these steps to maturity, to, to growing in your faith, and to, to seeing this happen in your life where you don't get rocked back and forth as much when the ways of life come into your, into your life. And so that's what we do here as well. We've been doing it for 16 years, and we're never going to change. That's just how we do it. We want you to go from here to there, to, from come and see to you're my disciple, your Jesus' disciple lift. If you take up your cross, so take steps. And here's the third one. The third one is discipleship also involves people. It involves others. So here, here's what I'm going to tell you as you're writing that down. See, here's the thing. Like, not just Ephesians 4. You could go in a lot of other places where God is trying to help us understand what growing in him looks like. Here's what I'm going to tell you, gang. It is nearly, if not all the way, impossible to do anything in Ephesians 4 on your own. It is impossible to be a disciple like Jesus says on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You need to be involved with people. You need to be going after people with, who are going after God, who, who want to go after humility and patience and peace with others and to be having grace and truth just in and out of their lives, just exchanging with other people. That you have to have that in order to go to the richness that Jesus is calling you to have in your life. I found there are almost 60 one another's, depending on the translation, there are almost 60 one another's in the Bible. And here's, you know what, I looked at them, here's what they don't say, none of them say, so the pastor can do this for you. Did you know that? Just FYI, it's one another. It's all of us. It's all of us doing that with all of us. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's, it's coming in. It's asking people questions. It's doing this. It's one another. It's doing this with each other. You can go to Hebrews 10. I love this one. Hebrews 10, you can write these down. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another. And love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day coming near. Galatians 6, 2, it says, bear one another's burdens as so to fulfill the law of Christ. You go to James 5, I love James 5, where it says this, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Gang, did you know that you could be forgiven if you confess to God, but you can't be healed until you confess to somebody else? Not fully healed, did you know that? You can't do this just here on a Sunday. You can't do these things. This is what I'm trying to tell you. You can't do this in rows. Like, you know, you can't really encourage someone and be that encouraged by somebody else unless you really know them. Like, you got to know them. You can't be able to know somebody's burdens and bear their burdens and share your own burdens by just looking at the back of people's heads. You can't be doing that, right? You need to be getting in circles. Healing happens when there are pockets of people getting together and knowing each other and praying for one another and talking about life with one another, getting in circles and talking about life. So that's why we have small groups. That's just, that's why you see us talk about small groups here all the time. And that, gang, listen, that's not the only way you can get it. I mean, that's, you, you can get it in all kinds of different ways. You can look in your neighborhood and say, hey, man, I know a couple people that are stay-at-home folks like me. We can get together. Let's get together once a week. Or, or maybe with your business folks and say, hey, at lunch, once a week on Wednesday, let's get together. Let's just start talking about God every Wednesday. Let's do that. Or you could do all kinds of different ways. You, you know, but you know, you got to be doing this. you got to be praying for each other, knowing each other, walking in these circles where you're wrestling with the Bible a little bit. But here's the thing. In our experience, I'm just saying, in our experience, we found out that people have a difficult time doing that on their own. And gang, this is a call you can't neglect. So that's why we just have groups here. 
again, not the only way you do it. We're just, we just do this. We do it two times a year where we say go in to get new groups for new people. So you can sign up for a group today to get from here to where God wants you to be. Anybody who is serious about their relationship with Jesus and anybody who is really serious about becoming more like Jesus and having the abundant life that Jesus says, they get it done in circles. They get it done in pockets of people going after God together. Here's another way. So that's one way that, that we do it. Here's another way uh, that, that we could do the one another's, and it's one of the bigger commitments. It's actually bigger than getting in community a lot of times, and it's serving. A part of the discipleship process for you is to sacrificially serve on purpose. That's something that you see here too. And that's one of the things we say, we lay ourselves down. We sacrifice our time for other people. And you see it all over here. You see it in hundreds and hundreds of people here on a Sunday morning. You see it with your kids, your students. You see it with you. You see it on Wednesday nights with, with our uh, young students. You see it on Thursday nights to celebrate recovery that we serve. We lay down our lives and we say, I will sacrificially serve other people here. So here's the, here's the question. What does discipleship look like here at River Ridge Church? I kind of laid it out for you, but I'm just going to tell you. Here's what it is. Really simple. It's three things, so you never forget. It's connect, grow, serve. That's the process. That's what you see here. It's connecting with God through things like this on Sunday morning. And it's also connecting at your own time, at your house, when you connect with him every day. You hear us say, Chad and I say this all the time, 15 minutes every day with God will absolutely change your life. We believe that. So that you connect with God. Then you grow in community. You grow, you get into these pockets of people going after God and going after spiritual maturity so you're, you don't rock back and forth with the things of life. And then you serve on purpose. We sacrificially lay our lives down for other people. And we don't have this all the way figured out. You know, like we, we don't. We don't have it. Like we definitely don't. But listen, we got steps. We got things that you could do. We have a process. We have things in place for you to do this. And, and we're working, we're constantly praying and thinking through some things. I know that we got some things coming up that we're really excited about, things that we're working on. I think one of the things that we're really wanting to get excited about and, and, and get serious about is building different steps of learning for you, like learning maybe through classes or maybe through modules or different short-term groups or training or something like that. But there are steps we have. There are steps to deeper and deeper levels of commitments, and that should be going on here all the time. Any church that's serious about Jesus should be serious about discipleship because that's what discipleship does. It grows us. It, it gets us closer to Jesus, and it actually matures us in this life that we live. And we need to understand that we exist to help everybody, everybody take these steps with Jesus, take these steps wherever they are in the process, and then we help everybody. And here's why I say this again. I know I've said that already, but, but here's the thing. I keep saying it because one of the biggest challenges that we face as a church, and I hate saying this, but it's true, Christians are the worst at being patient with other Christians, aren't they? We just, man, we just crush ourselves in that area, don't we? I mean, you need to, here's what you need to realize, some of you. I know you're all, here's what we need to realize. Like, we know what your super spiritual awesome level is, and we're trying to get there, man. Like, we're, we know there's Jesus and you. We get it. Like, we're getting there, okay? I know, just, but just, we want to get there. And in the meantime, in the meantime, you know, because you're awesome, but can, can we just, can we just appreciate, can we appreciate wherever, wherever anybody is? Can we just appreciate their process? Because, gang, that's exactly what it is. It's their process. And so what we want to see is we need to appreciate where they are, encourage them to take steps. That takes love and patience, not judgment and intolerance, right? So it's a process. We take steps, and then we need other people. So I want to close, and I, and I want to close by just challenging you, and I want to talk to, to three groups of people here this morning, but I want to start by asking this question. And, and it's a question that I think all of us need to think about, and here it is. Where am I, where am I in this process of discipleship? Where am I? Yeah, that's very personal. Not anybody else, not my neighbor, not my friend. Who's like, where am I in this process? 
Where am I growing and being more like Jesus? See that, gang, listen, that's the only thing that matters. You know that, right? It's the only thing that matters is becoming more like Jesus. You know, my goal, our goal here as, as leaders in this church isn't so much all who comes in this church, but my primary goal is the day you leave our church. That sounds funny, doesn't it? But it's a goal that I have that, that we look to because here's my primary goal. My goal is you actually answering these questions of, of while you were here is what did God do in your life while you were here? Were you part of something bigger than yourself? Did you take steps? Did you grow in your knowledge of the truth and grace? Do you look more like Jesus the day you leave here than the day you came? Whether you've been here for 60 days or 60 years and gang, for everybody, I hope you're here for 60 years and then some. But my goal is I wanna know, did you take steps? Did you leave well? Where are you in this process? Where are you in this process? Some of you right now this morning, and we know that some of you are starting out with Jesus. Maybe you're redefining what a relationship with Jesus looks like. There's a lot of people in that area of life. There's a lot of you out there that are like, man, I'm just kind of coming to grips with what this means and I'm kind of new to all this stuff. And, and so here's, here's what I wanna say. You're exactly where you need to be. Just keep coming back if that's you. If you're new to this relationship with Christ or you're kind of exploring and getting more, just keep coming back, keep listening in on who this Jesus is. But here's a next step for you. The next step for you is right in the, in the next steps room. It's the glass room right here. And it's an amazing book called My First 30 Quiet Times. It is a great foundational book. It's, it's just 30 really quick devotionals that talk about what a Christian is and, and what are the things that we should be seeing. How, how does this process work in our lives? Anybody who is new to saving faith in Jesus Christ or is new to redefining what a relationship, go grab that book. Just go right out of service, get the book. And we have a little sign-in sheet. And here's why we're asking you to just put your name and email because not only do we want to follow up with you during that 30-day process, but we we want you to be invited to what we got coming up this semester in March, which is a great group called Starting Point. So as you sign up, you're going to be on the first invitation list for this class that explores really big ideas and doubts and faith and creation and God. And it's in a group of people where there's no pressure, there's no judgment. It's just talking about all these faith and doubt questions. So that's going to be starting. We got your whole semester figured out for you if you're new to faith. It's awesome. Go in there, take the next step, grab that book, just put your name and email, and we will invite you to that group starting in March. And I, I wish we had one for everybody, but uh, just make sure that, that if you're new to faith that you grab one for everybody. Maybe some of you here and, and you are walking in maturity. Like you're there, you're, you're doing it. You're, you're connecting, you're growing, you're serving, you're, you're doing everything that we're laying out for you to do. Can I just say on behalf of our church, thank you. Thank you. You are what make this place this place. You are what make God show up because God is using you. And, he, and he, you are ministering to people. You are discipling our students and adults and wh wherever you're serving and connecting. And you, I bet you you're discipling people, way more people than you even think you are. So I just want to say thank you for partnering up with this. And, and here's what I'm going to say. Keep it up. Keep it up. But here's your next step. This is your next step if you're doing all those three things. And I want you to take this serious. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Listen, we have this experience. We know, man. We, we start neglecting the things that refresh us in the Lord and we get burned out. We can't afford you to burn out. Here's what we know. We know that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. We need you on the line with us. So find refreshment in the Lord, however you can find it. One of the things that we have for you, a next step for you, is understanding how God designed you to actually get refreshment in Him. A lot of, a lot of times I talk to people, they don't even really know the avenues that actually find refreshment. So we have a great handout for you out there in the lobby, and it's a spiritual pathway guide with all these different kinds of pathways that get you restored and refreshed in the Lord. I think so many of us need to find out what that is. So grab that. Listen, you can't be like hiding that away and get burned out. You just can't do it. You're too important to us and what we do. You are what make this place this place. So find ways to refresh yourself. 
stay in the game with us. Thank you for what you're doing. But my concern here is, um, and I don't know how many of you are out there, but my guess is there's quite a few here. My concern for some is that, that you're here and you've been a Christian for a while, but, but you're not really growing, you're not really serving. You're not really being involved in anything we're doing or putting in front of you, not to only help yourself, but, but not in the process of anybody else. Gang, you're too important to be sitting on the sidelines. That, that's not how God made this to be for you. And, and here's what I know about you. This is just what I know. And, and again, it's, a, it's an educated guess uh, for, for a lot of you in that area. You're stagnant. You, you know, it's just how you feel. It's just like, yeah, I'm not really growing that much in God. I'm not really seeing my spiritual life move that much with God. Nothing's really happening. And here's why, gang, here's why. It's because God teaches us what we need to do, and you're not in that process of what to do, so you're not going to, you're stymieing yourself. You're getting in the way and blocking yourself when it takes to grow and mature in Christ. You're getting tossed around, and some of you don't even really know it. You're getting tossed around. So here's what I think your next step is, if that's you. I, I really think that some of you, I really do, I think that you need to actually just recover your faith by coming back to Christ. I think you just need to recover this, this saving first love of, of, of salvation that you have with Jesus. Rediscover your relationship with him. And then you need to get in to a group of some people who are doing the same thing. You need to get around some folks who want to grow, not just in rows, but in a circle. And I think the easiest step for that is to sign up for a group. And it just so happens we have new groups for new people today. Wow, that's crazy. But, like, that's what we got for you. Don't let this pass by. That's not the only way it happens, like I say, but, but we just know that, that, you know, it's harder for us to get that ball rolling on our own. So go in that next steps room. Blair, there's going to be a team there that would answer any questions. You can just sign up for a group. We'll get you moving. We'll get you rolling in that step. Maybe some of you here are like, well, I tried it once, and that's just not for me. You can't just, you know, the ideal, yes, would be that you tried it once, and it was the perfect group, and everything worked out, and it was rainbows and butterflies, and it was amazing, and unicorns showed up, and Jesus was like, you know, but that's not what really happens. What's typical is we got to try it a couple times before we really find the right pocket of people that we're in. So, you know, ridge groups, you know, aren't the way it has, but you got to keep trying it. And like, you know, we don't do anything else like that. But, you know, it's not like if you eat a bad burger, you're like, that's it, no more steak. Nobody does that, you know? I mean, so do this, you know, you know, I, we love steak. You, you would never stop eating steak, you know, if you had a bad burger. So let's, let's try groups again. Let's get back in to that because steak is awesome, right? Groups, are, vegetarians, I'm sorry. Uh, we got a group for you. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I might have lied. I don't know. Uh, but get in there. Try it again. Come on, man. Let's go. Let's get moving. Let's grow. Let's get mature. Let's, let's actually get moving with Jesus. And let's go from come and see to you're my disciple if to come and die. That's the life worth living right there. So let me pray. we got a step for everybody. We've got a few minutes left before when we're done. Go take that next step. Grab a guide. First 30 quiet times if you're new. Go grab a, a spiritual pathway sheet. Go sign up for a group. Good steps for everybody to take. I challenge you. I challenge you to ask the question, where am I in this process? Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you that you give us these great steps to take, that you don't just save us and just leave us be. Man, that you make us actually come alongside of one another. You call us to do these things. Thank you for that. For those of us here who are doing these things, thank you. God, that you're calling them and they're answering your call, that we cannot be in this place without them. I pray, Lord, that you help them find refreshment, that, that they find this, man, this purpose, this, this vigor that you could give them in doing your work and just help them find refreshment. Help speak to them in their pathway and just help them find that and help us to help them take those steps. And some of, some, some of you here, this is where you're taking the first couple steps with Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that you help them see the importance of actually taking the next step, getting that quiet time, God, getting into starting point, signing up for that. And, and for those of us here who you're just kind of, you're just kind of here, 
God, I pray you do something I can't just work in them through the Holy Spirit to show them that that's just not the life worth living. That's just not just showing up here on Sunday that's gonna get us there and get us to the full life that you're calling us to have. So I just pray you do a work in us right now to help us take next steps. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. And we pray for all of this in his awesome name. Amen. Amen. All right, next steps. Let's stand up. And, and we still got a few bag hunger bags. So don't forget to grab those on your way out. Bring them back. Take a next step today with us, okay? That concludes our service. We'll see you next week. All right, and we'll close up the serve, or series.